My name is Adam Christopher. I'm the author of Star Wars Shadow of the Sith, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Follow me. A Utini Podcast Network production. <laughs> I know. I was with him. Episode 176, Shadow of the Sith Roundtable, Part 2. Luke and I were telling an old Jedi hunter. On this episode, a sneak peek of an interview with Star Wars author Beth Revis. We follow the ship halfway across the galaxy here. More High Republic novels are on the way. When we got to a ship, it was abandoned. No clue, no wayfinder. And the Utini crew continues their discussion about the novel Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. I got a bad feeling about this. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Living Force, a Utini network podcast all about Shadow of the Sith. Again! Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to finish up our chat about Luke... Lando and all of their glorious friends, and that rat bastard Ochi Bestoon is the full crew, uh, including Dr. Corey Helton. Hello, How hello. Doing, I hate that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> and uh, last night we watched The Rise of Skywalker, a little uh, sneak peek. Next week we're doing our uh, sort of revisit of The Rise of Skywalker. And as soon as he flashed on screen for like the two seconds that he was, literally all of us were like, oh, God, I hate that guy. Like, literally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, Ochi of. Uh, Ba- ba- baboon buffoon yep. i don't know i don't know where that's i was going Ochi of yeah, buffoon okay. go. that's fun go. yeah he would go. hate that he would kill you for it uh Probably. but you know who would kill someone for a lot less it's dr charles hankel hey man allegedly allegedly hey <laughs> allegedly <laughs> hey everybody i uh i know we we've referenced this before uh but i always say that i've changed nothing about my setup so that when the tech doesn't work it's not my fault this week i changed absolutely everything because i moved into the new house and the biggest thing I've learned of this past week is how heavy all my books are when you carry them in just one <laughs> big box up the stairs. Yeah, those are it's an impressive amount of hardcovers you got in the back there, but uh, I'm more impressed by your muscles and just your, you know, your ability to, to, to move because moving sucks. I think everyone would agree. Moving does suck. Moving is actually the life opposite of Wes Jenkins in that regard. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Um... Yeah, Corey made us watch uh, The Rise of Skywalker yesterday. I had nothing to do with if it. If you're listening to this. <laughs> and he proceeded to confuse me, maybe everybody else that was on the call as well, <laughs> there are four of us. Um, but because it was a good confusing. watch. It's fi- it was my first watch with, uh, with friends that didn't actually have an, a horrible opinion about the movie. So um, I can't wait for everybody here. It's on Patreon. So come out looking for that one. Yes. Absolutely. That will be releasing, like all of our movie commentaries, on Patreon. And then, of course, next week we'll have a show talking about the movie. But for this week, you are here, everyone in the chat. Hello. I hope you've had a great week. To all of our friends listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that good stuff, I hope you're having a lovely Thursday or Friday or weekend. You know, you can listen to us on your own time. You're the master of your own life, not me. Who am I? Uh, but, of course, if you're listening or watching, make sure you're liking and subscribing and rating on all those platforms and tell people, hey... I like books, and these guys read, and they prove it by doing these roundtables. We also want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Legends Look Back, our Thursday show, because last week they hit episode 100, a not 
meager feat. Uh, Corey, you actually guessed it for the first time, and you dropped an awesome uh, factoid about podcast hitting episode 100. I forgot what it was, but remind me, like, the percentages were something crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read online a while back that, like, uh, something like less than 1% of podcasts make it to episode 30, and something like point zero zero one or something like that make it to 100. So it's, uh, it's a big deal, make it to 100. Um, super proud of that show and everything they've accomplished in the time they've been live, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I think it's I think it's pretty funny and, and kind of crazy that I've never been on the show in 100 episodes. It's not like intentionally, it just kind of has worked out like that. And uh, we had a good time. We kind of talked about some of our favorite Legends content and looked back at the show. It's one of the most fun and funny moments in the past. So if you've never <laughs> checked out uh, Legends Look Back before, then now's a good time for sure. So check that out. Absolutely. And uh, 100 more to go. I mean, we're, we're just gonna, our goal, we're always just going to be 76 episodes ahead. That's my goal is to never let them gain any. Uh, but congrats to all. Not a not a, not an easy thing to do, but we also want to say congratulations pre preemptive preemptive congratulations to Beth Revis and our friends over at Del Rey because tomorrow, August sixteenth is the release date of the Princess and the Scoundrel, and you all know how we do it here at Utini. We're gonna have content for you tomorrow. On the website, utd.com, there will be a written review written by myself. And then on our YouTube channel here, we will have a video review by our very own Nathan Emery. If you want to see our thoughts about the book, we will also have a very special interview with author Beth Revis. Uh, We talked to her last week. She was absolutely incredible. It will be released uh, on all your audio platforms. But we do have a special treat for those of you tuning in live tonight. We have a short clip. Uh, that we recorded video-wise. The video recording didn't go as picture-perfect as we'd like. It's not all the way up to our our lovely video-ness uh, because of Zoom and such things. But Beth was awesome and gracious. And West, we, if we have that queued up, let's, uh, let's give the people a little taste of what they can expect from our full interview with author Beth Revis. It's so fun. And... <clears throat> And of course, there's a lot of a lot of lovely romance in the kissing book. Um, but there is also uh, a ton of political intrigue in this. Um, very much like around the fall of the empire, a lot of like aftermath type of vibes. And I gotta ask, in in a massive galaxy that's defined by like turmoil and, and rebuilding empires and political factions, how do like small, loving, intimate relationships help these characters, like specifically Han and Leia in this case, like persevere and kind of keep going, even though their victory may not be as solid as they thought it was. Yeah, it's always a really interesting thing to look at the way we portray things like rebellions and wars and these vast galactical scope images of battle. Um, but I always go back to, um, I also teach writing. And one of the things I always get to teach my students is when you're looking at an action movie with a war, you don't pan the camera out. You zoom the camera in because we can't always care oh, yeah. about the vast numbers, but we can care about individuals. And so the more I can make individuals seem real, that makes the battle that much more dire and important because mm-hmm. it's it's easy to just blow off numbers when they're a headline in a newspaper but if you actually know them and consider them to be real people that's where your empathy comes in wow that's fantastic yeah super powerful i mean that's that's what (laughs) star wars is i think it's like that that it's the story of individuals and the story of people and how one person can make a difference and man i love that that's fantastic yeah i mean and that's why we you know we know people like like Porkins, and we know like again as we talked about rogue one a bunch of times together like we we meet these people for the first time, and then five hours or two hours later, we watch 
basically them all die and it and it hits harder than yeah some of the bigger moments and i think that's that's what's so key about about some of the stuff in this book especially in the beginning of leia kind of reckoning with the party that we all love and remember the victory celebration that is right after a bunch of people died and i think that yeah them balancing that and then of course going on a romantic honeymoon while there's also political upheaval and i think that's one of the parts of this book that people are really going to be so fascinated by because love stories are are often such places of comfort and oh this is great but the galaxy doesn't know they're on a love story the galaxy doesn't know that they're doing that it's still trying to build itself yeah, it's like what Mon says in the book that the whole point of fighting the battle was to have the love and the joy after. And right. if you're not going to embrace that, then what was the point of the fight? Oh, man, that was it was such a fun interview talking to her. I mean, what what was the point of the fight if not to have peace? Beth, Beth is so knowledgeable about everything in the book. And really, you can tell how much she loves the characters. So uh, be sure to check out tomorrow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and stuff. Um, yes, Justin, you say in the chat, she seems really nice, and she's even nicer than that. Literally one of the most delightful humans uh, we've had the pleasure of chatting with. So thank you to Beth for uh, hanging out with us, and be sure to check all that out with Princess and the Scoundrel tomorrow. We also want to give a quick thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash utini. Uh, like we said at the top of the episode, we got new content coming for you with our Rise of Skywalker commentary both with movie sounds and without movie sounds. So if you've been enjoying those, I've got another one coming into your feeds. we got a new episode of The Ghost Crew that'll be coming in this Wednesday. And we just dropped a brand new show uh, uh, called Utini. I didn't say the name of our company right, guys. I've said that name 18,000 times. Utini uh, Decrypted, uh, where our very own Emma Park and her sister dropped uh, a podcast talking about something a little bit different. So... If you've liked our Patreon content so far, there's tons more. If you haven't joined on yet, go on over. Patreon.com slash Utini. You are the reason we're able to do everything we do. And there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that uh, are able to happen and able to function because of your support. So thank you. And uh, and we love you. I'll say it. I love you. I love you dearly. And as a quick reminder, always head over to Utini.com and check out all the upcoming book releases, everyone. Tomorrow is Princess and the Scoundrel. But... In just about a month and a half is the High Republic Path of Deceit. On October 4th, Kevin Scott begins Phase 2 with a YA novel. Uh, guys, are we ready for more High Republic? I feel like it's been a year, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Since it we've had more. Why does it feel like it's been so long? Because it has been a long time. Like, it's been a, I mean, <laughs> yeah. a decent while anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready for something new and different and mm-hmm. weird. And uh, Phase 2 is coming up very soon so yes excited it's gonna be great very stoked uh but we're not there yet of course we are still in the present whether it be good whether it be bad we are still here and again tonight we are finishing up our chat on shadow of the sith so consider this your spoiler warning we're about to talk about the book with full spoilers uh everything that happened if you missed our part one talk last week pause real quick go back we go through a lot of main characters luke lando um, but tonight, we're jumping right back into characters, but in order to do that, I'm going to shut up and hand it over to the man himself, Dr. Charles Hankel. Take us back to Shadow of the Sith, buddy. All right, so we're going to jump back into the character section. We're going to wrap this up with, uh, I'm going to say, maybe one of the most interesting characters from this book. And uh, it's kind of two characters in one. You get a little discount tonight, because we're going to talk about <laughs> Kaiza and Viceroy 
Exim Panchard. So a few quotes for you here. The first one from page 135. She looked at the mask, already feeling the pull, the desperate urge, the desire to pick it up and put it on and surrender to the dark power within. She could feel his presence, feel the power that radiated from the mask, intelligent and malignant, a soft caress on the back of her neck, a lover's whisper in her ear. For a moment, she remembered her name. For a moment, she wanted to run. One movement, one action, one slice of her lightsaber, and the mask would be cleaved in two. In moments, she could reduce it to molten slag, and her pain would be over, and she would be free. She relaxed. It was pointless to fight. As the grip on her faded, she bowed her head and succumbed to the dark power. I am listening, my master. On page 203. But this Sith was different, and for a moment, Luke was uncertain. He could feel the darkness radiating from the figure, from the mask, and then it seemed to be coming from elsewhere, from a place far distant. The woman in front of him, she wasn't Sith herself, even though she wore the ritual mask of one. The power she wielded wasn't hers. She was merely channeling it. And for a moment, Luke had the strangest sensation that she was somehow standing in the way of the true source, an eclipse of the force, a black hole that cast a long shadow across space and time. And on page 362, relics, both of the Jedi and of the Sith, had power, true power. For some, this was literal as well as symbolic. Lightsabers, for example, were a particular prize sought by the Acolytes of the Beyond and the others. Some relics were useless, less as, or were useful excuse me, less as weapons than as signs and sigils, reinforcing beliefs and seeding new ones. Others, again, held knowledge once lost, stories of other times and places, promises of secrets and codes, and paths to power and glory and control if only they could be understood. But some relics held something else. Something truly terrible, the vestigial influence of those who had crafted them or used them or worn them. Those powerful in the force could leave an impression. Some could even leave something more like Viceroy XM Panchard. And then this very last short one from page 403. Viceroy XM Panchard lived on, a Sith Lord from an eon past inhabiting the mask and now inhabiting Kaiza, taking full control of his dead host in a final desperate attempt to resurrect himself into a galaxy he had no place being. All right, so we're going to talk a lot about the Sith, the mask, the bigger force questions in a moment. Mm-hmm. For now, I want to focus on Kaiza and Panchard from a story perspective. Why was it important that Kaiza always chose to put the mask back on, and did that keep you from empathizing with her? Whew. I, I, I can, I can see it. I can see it from from the from the point of view of an addiction of an addict. Yes, she is an, she is a, <laughs> an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like no matter how much help you get, there's always that that lure of the mask that when you put the mask on, it makes you feel better. Um, oh, I hate to say addict because it's 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 a bad, but it's what it's what she is. She is addicted mm-hmm. yeah. to. The feeling, and she's addicted to the power that she gets probably from the mask, mm-hmm. but it's also like stealing her life force away, which yeah. is which is crazy to see because she feels powerful with this, yet it's it's making her powerless. Yeah, it, it's like it's it's getting pulled from both sides, which is really neat. Yeah, and I think it's like one of the most. I love that you phrase it that way, Wes, because I think for me it's the most clear look of of an addict as a person that is like victimized by their addiction. 
Like, we hear that a lot, you know, addiction is a disease. It is a thing that a person can't quite control. And this, I think it's really intense in that way. And you really see that happening to her because, like, she wants to let go. But she can't because of the force of the addiction. Now, maybe it was at some point her own power she wanted. But then once Panchard became more part of it, it was like, oh, she never quite had a chance not to give in to it. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking as you watch it happen over the book. And, and to your, your bigger point, Charles, did it keep me from empathizing with her? I don't think so. But I definitely think it stopped me from assuming she'd ever be free of it. I, from the moment I saw it, I, I didn't quite think we would get this grand redemption arc because it already kind of had its hooks in too bad. And that was kind of yeah almost tragic from the get-go. I mean, the way that she described it made it sound like she had no choice. I mean, she was really locked into it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I still have mixed feelings about whether or not she sort of chose it to some degree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the yeah. whole history with the Acolyte, Acolytes? Is that what they were called? The Acolytes? Acolytes no. of the yeah. Beyond, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was yep. the Acolytes. I, I hesitated because of the new TV show. Because the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe. Yeah, that's maybe, it. I don't Who know. Knows? That's interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it seems like maybe that part of her feels like that is her her path to some degree. So um, I don't know. I, I, I definitely like the idea of this Sith mask. And I honestly, the all of the background that Adam Christopher invented about this Sith relic stuff and the way he wrote the dagger and all that stuff. I mean, this he's begging for uh, some kind of old Republic something, I think. like I, Oh, I, yeah. I think I said that mm-hmm. last time, but like I really do think that he's like the utterly perfect author to do something like heavily Sith original because he's really, really good mm-hmm. at telling that 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 story. Like the yeah. possession and the voices and the creepiness, like he just gets it right. Like it was so such good writing. So like I would love to see him do something like that in the future. He made it he made it seem like the Sith relics have more power and more meaning than something the Jedi would leave behind. Yeah. yeah. Whether it be a relic, it's, it just means that if they find these Sith relics and they ha- they have much more significance than like finding out what happened with say like a, a Jedi holocron or something. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, you know, we we all talk, we talked about the dagger and Ochi last episode like it makes such more sense that oh yeah, these are not just weapons that the Sith used or masks that the Sith used like the Jedi's lightsabers are individual, and we've had a little bit of stories about that, especially like in Master and Apprentice and things like that. Mm-hmm. They really got into the beauty of kyber crystals. But what I loved about this with Kaizid shows, oh man, the Sith relics are Sith relics for a reason. Like they are mm-hmm. imbued with dark energy, and when you find them, you can't help yourself. It's like uh, like Ezra in season three of Rebels when he's messed with the Sith holocron, he gets more violent. He just it happens to affect him differently, and that was only from touching a holocron a couple times this is wearing a mask with a spirit of a sith lord for years like there's no way (laughs) right so so beyond the relic itself i'm interested were you intrigued by this more or less new sith uh like what about x and panchard made him feel unique from past sith i mean his brutality i would say that that chapter from his point of view, is one of the most brutal chapters I've ever read in a Star Wars book. That that was chilling, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was cool, too, that Luke sort of traveled through that. Like, that was a really great scene where he was, mm-hmm. like, kind of light-speed skipping almost, like, through time or whatever. Like, that <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> through the Force. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, I was a big fan of that. Um, and I don't... We've never seen... 
a Sith trying so hard to come back? I I don't think either. Like this is a very interesting yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. Like like he put in place things to ideally lead to like an immortality like situation and then mm-hmm. now he's acting on it like usually we've seen like the darth bane stuff and like the plagueis stuff with him being obsessed with immortality and they get so close and they lose it you know what i mean so right. like mm-hmm. this is interesting like it sounds like it worked whatever he did like uh to preserve his soul or whatever he did yeah. and like i mean he got pretty dang close to like coming back which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about <laughs> Well, and, like, and Justin asked in the chat, like, how ancient is he in regards to what we know in canon? I, I feel like this is pretty, it's cliche, pretty old. I mean, it's, it's older than High Republic. It seems like it might be kind of in the Old Republic era, but I'm not sure yeah. if it's actually ever specified, but it seemed like a more medieval. What's his um, name? Pan, Panchard? Panchard. P-A-N-S-H-A-R-D. Let's, yeah, it felt, let's it all felt look ancient. at Wikipedia together. Yeah, let's the go. Article is, the article is very, very short on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, it doesn't. It doesn't say like when he ruled or or yeah. when he died. Yeah, this yeah. gives you. I didn't know if this character had been created already. So this is entirely original from Shadow mm-hmm. of the Sith. Then, right? No, no, he was mentioned in was, uh, so aftermath. 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 Okay. Yeah. Let's yep. get the appearances. Well, because we had X so. and Panchard there, and then we had the saber of Darth Noctis, which was confu- which was like. Confusing because I kept mi- I kept mixing those because that was the yep. Dark Legends poll. Yep, right. Um, mm-hmm. And that was tied to Exegol, so that was already a thing. And you'll hear that if you guys are on Patreon, you'll hear our discussion about you know how old is Exegol. You know that's yeah, a, that's a right. question that we had. You know, is Panchard older than Noctis? And it feels like Panchard is like kind of really just like keep coming back to that word ancient Sith. It reminds me of the Legend Sith where they all were like they were a race of people like ruling a planet. Right. You know, so I wonder if that's where he is from. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. great yeah, shout out by Membrane. Uh, Darth Moment Mask from the comics, from the Vader comics. Very much Moment <laughs> vibes. Yeah, for yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting, like, a story arc entirely about, like, like what the what what the hell would have happened <laughs> if he did like come back and I mean did 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 Sidious know about all this that going on like was he sensing this through the Force that this other Sith Lord was like coming mm, back? I don't know I mean, how much Sidious knew about anything. I want I, I'm waiting for that book yeah, where he's like I know oh yes I know Eggs and Penshaw and Dark yeah and I mean this and like, yeah as knows? we as we kind of discussed uh, uh, you know in our you know, rewatched last night, like, like Sidious's entire, it's a little crazy that Sidious is back. Like, quite frankly, I think like even somehow. after all this time, somehow, right. He somehow <laughs> he's returned. I still think it's a little crazy that he's back. And uh-huh. like, we got to do a lot more backstory explanation before like that story is really going to make a lot of sense. So like, I know we got it in the novelization and stuff of the rise of Skywalker, but like, mm-hmm. I still think we need a lot more than that. Like, what has he been up to this whole time? Like, yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta know that story, and I don't know if that will ever get told or not. Like that almost. Can we have is... a YA trilogy about sexy young Palpatine learning the dark side? Please, I don't know. That'd be great. Yeah, like really smooth cover, like the open like the, shirt, like the Padawan yeah. cover mm. where his face is just a little too smooth, and he's just like, mm, Sheev. <laughs> I know. Oh, Sheev. I know. No, I, maybe he maybe he allowed X and Panchar to like to do this because it helped like bring rise to the Sith. Yeah, for sure. Bring rise to the, some dark side users, and he's yeah. like, the more the merrier. Maybe you know? it's I need, like I need more people. Maybe it's like if, you know you like go to the river with your friend or something, and there's like an old rope swing, and you're like, yeah, go ahead, let me see if this works. Maybe Palpatine was just standing on the bank of the Sith River, like, yeah, <laughs> try to. 
essence transfer. Sure, go ahead. I'll go after yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm sure it'll be great. Exactly. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into some overarching questions. We're still going to talk a lot about the Sith and the mask and all that stuff. So we'll kind of circle back to some of this. But number one, I want to know, and, and you guys might be the best people to talk about this because you Ooh. just watched the movie last night. Would you mm-hmm. consider this novel essential reading for not only <clears throat> The Rise of Skywalker, but the Skywalker saga as a whole? <clears throat> Man, interesting questions. Uh, may, maybe yes and no. Wes, are you, did you, are you muted for a sec there? No. Oh. I just didn't want to. He just pointed. I just want to talk over well, you. Uh, yeah, he, he, you pointed and it looked like you said yes. And then like <laughs> no sound came out. So I was like, what is happening there? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, is this a reading for the Skywalker saga? That's an interesting question. What is the Skywalker saga? Maybe a better question to ask. Okay. Let's oh, not. No, we only have an hour. Corey. Let's not go <laughs> oh there. Oh my gosh. I think this book is definitely essential reading for The Rise of Skywalker alone, like the sequel trilogy alone. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of the only heavy-hitting yes. novels that we've ever gotten about the sequel trilogy, like, that really hits major story points. I mean, this book friggin' named Ray's parents. I mean, like, I'm not sure that yeah. there, there, there has been higher stakes with, uh, with, with sequel trilogy books. Like, like, you know, we've talked a lot about that in the past, how... It seems yeah. like they've been a little hesitant to, uh, you know, they being the powers that be of Disney or Del Rey or whoever, whoever makes the story decisions, because God knows who actually makes those decisions. Like, it seems like they've been a little hesitant to allow stories to be told that, like, deal with these characters, right? And the fact that they, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they did, like, I mean, this this almost deserves, like, do you guys remember those publishing in- initiatives from several years ago, like the Journey to, like, The Force Awakens? And yes! Yeah. yeah. This, this almost needs that, that like, It's like the Journey it. from the Rise of Skywalker books. I know. Like, that's... I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, I... Yeah. I, I feel like... It's funny, because this book has a, it has a lot in it that I think is not essential for the saga. Like, we talked, like, it probably could have been a little shorter uh, for, in some areas. But I think you're right that for the lore we get, especially about the dagger, especially about... I mean, Luke Luke meets Anakin in this book. Like, that's the thing that happens. And, I mean, yeah. you want to talk about things that are important for the Skywalker saga. I don't think that... I don't think that your understanding of the saga will be incomplete without it, I will say. But I do think that the amount of enhancement you get from it is undeniable. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. <clears throat> so that's kind of that's my wishy washy. Yes, but also it y- ish. It it fills <laughs> it fills in some plot holes if you watch the movie and you're just like, what? There you go. How did that come into play? Yeah, like it gives you the origin story of why they're chasing after Ochi of Bestu. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not just he doesn't just show up. Yeah. And and steal Ray for no reason at all. Why is Gamora? Why you know? Yeah, yeah. It gives it gives you a lot of why. So I think it is essential to read it before you watch the movie. <laughs> I will I will Absolutely. say that you, can. you know we're gonna we're gonna hit some of this stuff when we revisit the Rise of Skywalker next week. But like I I definitely feel like this book makes me look at the character of Ray a little differently now. I think like sure. I mean yep. and and if if we're you know. Not to get too meta, but if we're considering like Ray's entire story to be part of the Skywalker saga and Anakin and Luke's mm-hmm. story and all this, whatever, like, yeah, I think it definitely is necessary information for her. This is this is like kind of some of the only backstory we've ever gotten about Ray. Like, so right. 
And it is kind of her origin story. I mean, we find out, yeah. like, why she was left on that planet. Like, why we see the vision of the girl, like, yelling, yeah. come back at the ship in Force Awakens. So, like, quiet, you know, those girl. Are, those are, <laughs> I know, quiet, girl. Yeah, exactly. Those are, those are important, exactly. important points. One so, quarter yeah. portion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, on that note, we're talking about Charles getting all the plot points and the characters where they needed to be. Charles's I'm, power I'm gone. <laughs> I'm on Exegol. Getting all the plot points and characters where they needed to be by the time of Tross. Did that feel organic to you or did it feel forced at all? It felt forced. I think I, I, this Wait. is. Ask it again. Did, did what feel forced? Like the. Time. Getting the characters where they needed to be to to be the you know their jumping off point for trust. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I I, I, I also I'll back that up, Eric. I think it. I felt yeah. a little, and I, not force is not the right word necessarily. More like, more like kind of pigeonholed a little bit. Like I think that sure, sure that this this book like had lofty expectations of it. Like, like. <laughs> There are so many problems with the Rise of Skywalker, like just straight up. Like there really are. Like, there's a, there's, there, are there are there are a lot of story problems, not problems. That's the wrong word to use. There are a lot of story gaps. Opportunities. It's, like, it's Swiss cheese. It's Swiss cheese. The movie is Swiss cheese. I mean, it's yeah. just like chock full of all these holes that like yeah. we needed to fill in, right? And like you can't do all of that in in one book, and especially not. The entire oh. origin of a Sith planet that we've never seen before that Palpatine has apparently been at the whole time and right it was it was lofty uh, to try to to try to do all that although I do say that is we that, we got some good stuff about that oh yeah is that Disney Publishing's like big uh, solution is make all these make this a Swiss cheese movie and then sell a whole crap load <laughs> of books after <laughs> the fact to just fill in all those do holes. you want I mean <laughs> I think that like. I think it's interesting because I, I absolutely agree with that, and I think that the th- the thing about Shadow of the Sith that, like in our review, we called it it's a very good book. It's not quite an incredible book, but I think all the Adam Christopher original <clears throat> Sith stuff is incredible. Yeah. I think we all yeah, agree that's with a that. Way to put all it. the stuff that he creates about the Force visions, what he does with Dathan's um, life on Exegol, the mirror, mirror, the ray, like all that stuff is so freaking awesome. Yes. Um, the, the eggs and pan shard stuff is, is chilling. Um, but like, but for this question, there are definitely places where the characters need to be by the end of the book for the movie to make sense. Yeah. So yeah. like OG mm-hmm. has to, at some point she has to hear the phrase, she's not on Jakku. And then he just has to stab her. Like so, that is unfortunately a scene that is kind of out of nowhere, and yeah. and I think that he writes he gets there as best he can, but then as that scene happened, I was like, as a reader, as I was reading it, I'm like, yep, I, there's the movie. Like I, I I literally had the out of body thought of oh here's the movie scene we had to get to. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, got I it, and too. then we moved I did on. Too. Yeah, I did. That was one part of the book that I disliked. Mm. Yeah, she said. Oh, she's not on Jakku, so I wouldn't go there. It's yeah, like, of course she's on Jakku. Yeah. Of course she. But is. I did you like came from I, there. I did like yeah. Adam Christopher was like, 
Okay, what's the one reason Ochi wouldn't then immediately go to Jakku? Oh, he's just completely stoned out of his mind. Yeah. Like that's he's, the only that's the only he's the only way what? he could not go after. There was a good reasoning after the fact to make him think that she was in a different place. Yes, and yeah. I totally forgot what it was. It's the, but the I know the it was Pasana <laughs> beans. Yaki beans. Yaki Yaki beans. He's kind of like unhinged at that point. So like it like I can I can definitely see the logic, but like I don't we see we've seen this like. I think almost every single time that that we have tried to to fill in major gaps like based off of films or TV shows from incredible incredible authors in the last 5 years like we've seen this happen over and over again like yeah. this happened with uh with Thrawn and uh yeah. you know Timothy Zahn like, yeah, yeah having to having to <laughs> being forced to write kind of like it's almost like it's almost it almost feels like you know, we obviously are kind of noobs here. We don't know anything about what the publishing experience is like because they're pretty tight lipped about that type of stuff. Like yeah, you know, like they don't they don't tell all the details. But like it seems like it seems like maybe there's some process of pitching, and then these are bullet points that need to be hit, and like you have to mm-hmm. fit it into this to some degree. And I feel like that I feel like that loses a little bit of the creative edge to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like it's like well, asking the higher artist, public is uh, so cool because there's no you don't have to hit any points. I know you can just tell the story you want. Also, I'm sorry, exactly. Justin just made me laugh so hard. He's Same. like, <laughs> sorry, he's like, Corey. the beads made me laugh out loud because everyone's got amazing knowledge of beads. Everybody knows where beads come from. It's so true. I was like, wait a minute, are those akiyaki beads? Like, I know what? <laughs> Oshie and Bastoon. He loves Pisana. My bro loves the Festival of the Ancestors. Listen, He's like, I gotta go every 42 that years. Wasn't, that wasn't even the author's doing. That also happened in no. the movie as well. Like, it didn't take it, it, it take literally it took zero, literally zero time. Like, did they just Luke like? She's in Hawaii. I know. <laughs> is that is that a suspended belt? Uh, She's in the yeah. Spencers. Go, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I never thought of that. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, sorry. All right, oh, so geez, maybe <laughs> so like, my my boy is drinking jet fuel. I spit fuel. all over my mic he's, whenever I saw that. He's he's drinking straight jet fuel. He's stabbing people, but goddamn, he loves jewelry, man. He is just <laughs> all about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely a bit of a stretch, and like I don't I don't put that on on the author at no, all. Like, no, no, I think no. not at all. I think not it's I think it's I think. It, literally every minor problem that I had with this book has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> it yep. has to do with the movie. Like yeah. every single major problem <laughs> that wild. I had with this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like there is just a lot of issues with the Rise of Skywalker yep. that needed to be filled. And I think should have been. I think we we did what we could with it, and uh, I'm very pleased with the results. So to go back in all the way and answer your question, Charles, <laughs> is this essential? I think for the Rise of Skywalker, honestly, pretty much. Like, sure. we talked about this at length last night. Like, the whole dagger thing is totally fixed in my eyes. And I, I consider that to be a, a yes, big problem of the movie. And I love the dagger now. I think it's a cool storytelling element. Like, yes! and it fits. I actually yeah. literally like it now. It's not a eye-rolling thing when she pulls the thing out. Like, we also realized last night that, uh, that, that C-3PO says... Stand. What does he say? Stand on the southern, southern shore, and the shore, dagger yeah. will tell. Like, like he literally says where to stand, and it yeah. makes it makes sense now. So, yep. I don't know I, that 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 whole plot point has been very very well explained. I think that yeah. I think that anything that's not explained well yet has nothing to do with this book. It's just because there's a bigger story to be told, like specifically around Exegol and what Palpatine was up to and all that kind of stuff. I think we had to get that eventually, but sure. um, Hundo P. You know, 
Yeah. As the kids say. Yeah. For sure. Well, <laughs> let's let's move on from that for a minute. I want to kind of jump back to Luke Skywalker, but I specifically want to talk about his relationship with Ben Solo because yes! Ben Solo was kind of a, a, a bit of a surprise for me in this book. And so a couple quotes for you about their relationship. Page 26. Luke told himself to go easy, but not just because his Padawan was his nephew. Far from it. Family ties had little to do with the teachings of the Jedi Order that Luke had worked hard to reestablish. Detachment and distance were required for the pure focus the Jedi constantly strived to achieve. And for Luke, there was a simple satisfaction in adhering to those tenets. Now, there's a long gap where Ben is not in the story, but he comes back at the end on page 450. We have this quote. Luke laughed and Ben joined him. And then the two fell silent, happy in each other's company. Luke knew he should be more focused with his Padawan, toning down the familiarity that came with family, instilling something formal. But right now, Luke was just glad to be back, and he allowed himself this one moment of peace. So how did you feel about the return of Ben Solo in this novel, and do you attribute Luke's relatively cold attitude towards him for part of his fall later on to the dark side? Ooh... First half of that question is very easy, Charles. I love Ben Solo in this novel. Legit, I I have been like I I am a convert. If I wasn't before, I have come around completely. Anytime Ben Solo shows up in a comic or a book, I am like hell yeah, this little nerd. I love him. I'm like really into it, and I think it yeah. might be like because you can see Dad Han and Mom Leia as well. But every scene with him and Luke here was some of the most natural. In a way yeah, we haven't was. seen because it's it's it is him being like this is totally my uncle, also the most powerful <laughs> Jedi. He's also my teacher, but also yeah. I'm kind of better at this than anyone else. Like it, it was really sure. it was like what one chapter, but it was so mm-hmm. good. I loved it. Yeah, I mean we yeah. Ben Solo is no secret that his story is entirely borrowed from legends, right? I mean it's Jason mm-hmm. Solo. Like I mean that, that yeah. that's a whole arc is Han and Leia's son falls to the dark side and becomes a Sith Lord, right? So like and I will say like being those are some of the stories that really hooked me into Star Wars and getting to see like the Jedi training and like you know, you kind of see through the cracks a little bit of some of his doubts and that sort of thing throughout. I, I mean, see that's through the cracks in your mask. Exactly. That that story is begging to be told, man, I think. Like the mm-hmm. I want to see Ben's fall to the dark side. That would be a fun fun book, I think. Would be Rise of like, Kylo Ren. Yeah. Starts there. Well, yeah. yeah, we get we get those pieces in that comic, but like yeah, I think like a, a full one. length a full length novel with a lot of prose that really gets in his head would would be like ideal. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah, I got chills yeah. you saying that, man. I want it so bad. Yeah, I'm totally coming and, around to Ben Solo too. That's a good way to put it. The second part of that question, do you attribute Luke's relatively cold attitude towards him would be far from the dark side. I say no. I say no just because he's trying to be he's trying to be a master. He needs to he needs to understand that he needs to respect and understand his teacher other than being a family member, right? So yeah. um I once had this I once had this horrible interview when I was trying to when I was like becoming a supervisor when you for joined these, Utini. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> or, uh, this this place that I was about to manage, and I was like, "Well, I, I kind of want the employees to, to see me as a friend," and they were like, "No, you do not want that because they'll walk all over you." I'm like, "Okay, I guess I didn't get this job." So, <laughs> well, so you don't you know you don't want them to see you as because 
he feels that he can he cut up and like and slip between the cracks and get away with a couple things if yeah. he he's just like, hey, Uncle Luke. Oh, damn, yeah. sorry. Maybe next time. It's right? like if yeah. your dad just is like, the t-ball coach and he's <laughs> making you, you run extra laps because he <laughs> can't he can't be soft on you. Yes, dude. No, Ben Solo went three for four with two home runs and six RBIs, and, he, and the coach was like, "Great job out there, guys." Ben, you struck out once. Like that—that is what Luke is doing. That's how it he is. is. Like Ben, like Luke has never been a great master either. Even in Legends, he wasn't a great That's master. True. He's always been this weird, sort of distant kind of guy of like. Well, he was oh, a we talked about him when he was twenty. Like I know we talked about that last time. <laughs> well. well <laughs> I like where you guys He's are going. Too <laughs> He's too Justin, old to begin the training. Justin, <laughs> Justin my T-ball coach, never thought about killing me. I don't know if that's true, man. <laughs> holding, <laughs> holding the baseball bat above you and just... <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I swear to God. T-ball coaches punk, just kid. curse your name when they go home <laughs> as they drink like a whiskey and a beer to chase it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so oh. I like where you guys were going, though, with is Luke even a good master? And, and, you know, I'll let you answer that for yourself. But given the father-like aspects of that master-Padawan relationship that I think we see, and it's certainly highlighted with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, uh, but there are numerous examples is Luke's lack of a relationship with his own father part of what makes his relationship with Ben Solo so difficult to navigate? He has Ooh. daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. I thought this more before the Obi-Wan show and before we got more Owen Lars. And now I've actually seen the man that raised Luke, and I don't think that's his excuse as much anymore. That's because I think Owen Lars <laughs> is a straight-up boss. Yeah, I think that dad. he was actually he cared about him a lot. He protected him. And I think that, obviously, in the original trilogy, a lot of the Vader-Luke stuff is, like, huge. And all the books afterwards, that's the interesting meat of it. But I actually wonder if we're coming into a place in the next maybe five, ten years of Star Wars of Luke content being less focused about that. Because he actually did have a great father figure in Owen. And I think that Luke's... So Luke's lack of relationship with Vader, maybe... But I actually think now he had a much better role model uh, than I think we ever gave him credit for. Yeah. I like that answer. That's true. Yeah. All right. So maybe it wasn't daddy yeah. issues. Oh, wait, you know what? Owen, Owen Lars has the, uh, has, the, has the coffee mug that says, I'm, I, I'm not his biological father, but I'm the dad that stepped up or like whatever it is. <laughs> you know, he's just like drinking his coffee, his calf in the morning. Custom, <laughs> custom calf cup. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from Luke. Let's talk some more about this ancient sith magic that we've been talking oh, yeah, about baby. so let's do it a couple more quotes for you page 188 he concentrated isolating himself from his surroundings from the noise and the movement listening not to the alert and the sound of hundreds of people seeking shelter they faded from his senses replaced with a sound a musical note no a chord no a discord it wasn't hey! an actual sound luke knew that but he could sense its resonance it was a presence an intrusion not in the physical universe, but in the other place that surrounded him. A disturbance in the force. And it was near. Page 410. It was over. Already Luke's mind began to clear. It had not been clouded exactly, but the disturbance in the force, the malign presence of the spirit of Viceroy Exempanchard, had been with him for weeks, he now realized. It was the source of his visions of Exegol, the source of his nightmares, his uncertainties, the source of his fears. Nearby, the pieces of the Viceroy's mask smoked on the ground, leaving a black, sooty residue on the diamond surface. Luke stared mm -hmm. at them a long time, but they were nothing more than a burned metal and shattered crystal. 
the power they once held extinguished now, and he hoped forever. And lastly, towards the end of the book, page 451, the box's lid opened. Inside, the fragments of Exum Panchard's mask sat in a row, the red crystalline surface dull and blackened, pieces of the kyber already splitting off, revealing the carbonized metal beneath. Luke looked at the pieces for a moment. He hadn't decided what to do with the mass fragments, whether they were something to be studied or something to be destroyed. He would need to consult with Lor Santeca, my boy. So while those quotes were all related to the mask, we also got lore surrounding Sith kyber crystals, Sith holocrons. All, a lot was happening in this novel. Are these plot points something you enjoy learning more about? And is there a point where the demystification actually can take away from the story? That's a good question. Good mm. Lord. Uh, I mean, yes, think, number you, one. I love hearing yeah. about it. Yeah, this, this stuff's awesome. When you look back on it, does the, the, the mask of XM Panchard do anything to The Rise of Skywalker, the movie? Not really. And it, I don't, really. see, I, don't think I don't see it kind of meshing in. I mean, it's a good side quest, right? But Oh, yeah. Maybe something that has to do with Exegol we get hopefully in a novel sometime or something. Yeah. They, they need to do something with Exegol. Yeah. Something's got to be done with that. But yeah. it, just, it just seems to me that it's just, it was a story that was told, it came and went, and it didn't really attribute to the movie. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't trying to attribute to the movie at all. It was fantastic. It was a great yeah. story, but you, I honestly wonder if you could have cut it entirely out of the book and it, it still wouldn't have really changed anything in the end. Like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's i think it's i think it's uh because that was one of the comments that we had you know from our review team and stuff that the book was like it was long it was a huge book right and yep. like i wonder if that that particular story could have been cut although if it was cut would we have <laughs> would we say it was it's as rich and as incredible as it is i don't know because that's some of the best storytelling i think in the whole book for right. sure so right well and i yeah. think i think that's yeah, what's yeah. so fascinating about it is like <laughs> that's why the the, the, the interludes in, in aftermath were so interesting because they took these, like, the Acolytes of Beyond got introduced in the middle. And then Cobb Vanth got introduced in the middle. So we, the regular narrative wasn't really affected, but the galaxy got expanded. And I would honestly like more things like this, like with the, the lore of, of Sith crystals and things like that, to maybe be added in that way with more books yeah. that would kind of take, like, hey, by the way, this is also going on in the galaxy right now. Have fun with right. it, and then go back mm-hmm. to the main story. And I think maybe if it was presented more in that way, I wonder how that would have affected the this book. But but on the whole, I will say for me as a reader and Star Wars fan, anything that involves kyber crystals, Sith sorcery, things like that, I think that is so fun. And it's really yeah, been relegated sure. in canon to comics a lot more than novels so far. Uh, like with especially with the Vader comics that Charles Soule's been doing. Um, in the past, and like Greg Pak started to do a little bit of it, but I would re—I really hope that some mm. of that is allowed to be to come into more actual like prose novels in the future because I think it really benefits from the extensive description of like the Force and things like that. So I would love a lot of that. And to your question about does the demystification take away if we learn more? For me, not yet. I haven't read a story yet where I was like, ah, I wish I didn't know how that worked. Like. So far, the authors all seem to do a very nice job of of keeping the magic magic and the science science and then kind of mixing them. So, yeah. so far, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because even the things that I have always been steadfast, like I don't want to know more about that. Like the, the tree on Dagobah, we got, you know, short stories in the uh, from a certain point of view. 
that dealt with that. Uh, you know, wanting to not wanting to know about Yoda's species, and then we've gotten all this Grogu stuff, and I love everything that we're getting. So maybe it's not uh, such a thing to be scared of. But yeah, I didn't need to know that Bail Organa died. Well, Thanks, fact, Pov. <laughs> didn't need to read that. Does that count, Charles? Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. That could have stayed mystified <laughs> to me. So, on, on this kind of same <laughs> wavelength, I want to know this. Are Sith relics like this mask the dark side's response to the light side's force ghosts? Oh. Where did you come up with this, You're Charles? so good at this. <laughs> no, I mean, it, they give you a lot of the same abilities. Yeah. I mean, you retain yeah. your identity even though you've died. You can interact yeah. with the physical world. I mean, a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I say more yet, more yes than no. Yes, I, that's a great way to I, describe I guess, it, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried to think, like, because I said they, had, they have more significance than, say, a Jedi artifact, but maybe not so much as a Force ghost, right? Because we don't see Force projections from Sith. from the Sith, right? right? Um, and I wonder why that is. Well, I, because they're always reaching for power yeah. the entire time, and they don't actually—they're not actually enlightened by the Force, and the Force doesn't give them mm. that whenever they pass on. Yeah, There's the Force like, ghosts always seem to be the Jedi working with the Force, which you know, the whole thing mm-hmm. is right listening and becoming in tune within the Force kind of allows them to to work. Whereas the Sith is always about you know tampering and controlling, so infusing your essence. Um, yeah, Justin, I love that. It's very vampiric, absolutely. It's because the the masks only work like you said, or like you guys said earlier. If the mask is also sucking the life force out of someone else in order to infuse you into it, mm-hmm. so I think that's that's interesting. And man, oh, this is gonna this is gonna stick with me, man. Because yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, it's a workaround. It's a good analogy. It's a workaround. Yeah, it's a good similarity too. Definitely. How many? Man, now we just need that book where where uh, where Luke walks into a temple and there's like three hundred masks on the on the on the walls and he goes. Oh my God! Uh oh! I need, I need my friends. <laughs> I need my friends. Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. You know, you mostly are mentioning the mask, talking about the mask. Most Sith, it seems like, or at least a pretty high percentage of them, have these physical traits that require them to wear masks or helmets of some sort. Right? Mm-hmm. Vader, Revan, Kylo Ren. Someone mentioned Momin in the chat earlier, uh, and now X and Panchard. So, why do you think that these? these Sith spirits are tied to those objects in particular as opposed to anything else. Uh, Revan didn't oh, because they're rad. need a mask necessarily. <laughs> oh, because they're rad. Oh, thanks, Corey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, visual the imagery. Actually, yeah, visual he imagery makes it yeah. because he killed the Mandalore and that's why he wears the mask, bro. 20, <laughs> bucks, 20 bucks, Corey doesn't remember the question. Thank you. Yes, I do. I remember the question because I have it pulled up right here so I can cheat and look at it because yes. I'm ADHD as hell. <laughs> why are they why are they tied into objects in particular? I don't know. I think all the Sith are are kind of obsessed with this idea of immortality and living on. Like I think it's as simple as that. Like they all you know, they want power, ironically, and you know, he was so powerful but he couldn't save himself, you know. Yeah. I think it's good it's good imagery from a storytelling side, like cover just like to be the mysterious part, you know? Like what is that behind that mask kind yeah. of stuff? Well, I had my hand in front of my mouth when I was talking. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear <laughs> it. It was perfect. Very, very good audio. But no, I, th- I think that's correct, though. I mean, there's something about 
a mask where it, it creates an air of mystery and also creates an air of like I can be whatever I need to be beneath this and you can't you can't know that therefore I am afraid because because I feel like humanity's deepest fears are all connected to the unknown right well, no matter what you're afraid yeah. of nine times out of ten it's because you do not know a thing about that thing like that's why the Kids fear are of, the dark. of the dark exactly so under the mask it could be anything it could be any fearful object <laughs> and then I think the fact that they are going into the mask also like that is such a a defining feature of personality like when you look at someone a lot of times you just see their face first um if you can if you can see someone and like you kind of take in their features and that's how you kind of identify them so you take that away or if you're in a mask like Exxon Panchard he takes away Kai's face and identity and then now it's him so if he were a glove if he were a boot if he were a chess piece it wouldn't do the same kind of thing. So I <laughs> think that, you know. Boot. <laughs> yeah, I am the evil glove. Like, nah, I don't think that, that works as well. Yeah, you're but correct. If you're that a would mask, not do the same thing. But yeah, I think if you're a person's mask, you are taking away their visual identity and usurping it with your own. And what's more Sith than that? I don't know, man. If you had like a hook hand, that'd be pretty scary. You know, like a that pirate with like a hook. Like, you know. But a lightsaber, so it's like. It's like it's short though. Hook. It's not like this long. Like it's just like. <laughs> hey man, yeah. Disney and Star Wars kept Sith Lord Captain Hook. Come on, we can do it. There you go. Who's ma- here's your prompt? Whose mask smells the worst on the inside? That's, just, that's, that's <laughs> disgusting. Oh, Vader's. Or no, no, Bane's because he got <clears throat> didn't he get it all burnt off? So it's just constantly burning smell. Maybe oh, I don't know. Probably. He's like he has horseshoe crabs attached to him. That's all yeah. I remember. You know, it what? Sounds you know like what? Anakin. Anakin's a, a mouth breather and like <laughs> gets that mildew up into that. No, but you know what? Breather. But you know what? No, Vader. Vader bathes all the time. That's true. You that's know what true. I mean? He's in, always but in Bacta, it's like in like. Oh, it's just, what is, just what, medicine? Like, what is bact? It's like sterile? bacteria or something. I don't know. It's like goopy, and they always talk about it, it just, in books being like like kind of like, slick and it's a plant, right? It just smells yeah. like preparation Gross, H though. all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I will say, Justin, I disagree. I think Kylo looks sweaty, but Kylo also every time he takes it off in the sequel trilogy, his hair is perfect. So that's like, true. there's no way it smells bad. He's not. He's not really greasy. He looks great. True. So. True. All right, canon wise, I think we're agreeing. <laughs> I know Malchus is missing half a face, so that might just be like grossness. I don't know. Let us know, guys. Who has, who's the worst Who smelling has the mask? Worst in Star smelling Wars? Mask. That's what we want to know. That's. Uh, we're gonna move on. What, what is uh, that? <laughs> what, what about the mask from the Rise of Skywalker? Damn it, Poe Dameron's squeeze. What's her name? Oh, oh, Zori Bliss? Yeah, Bliss. yeah Zori's oh, no. mask. She smells like lilacs and hope, man. That's their way. That smells amazing. <laughs> lilacs. What the? <laughs> That's the only mask I can think of. <laughs> well, right. let's move on, and let's look at this quote from page 373. And this says, Luke stepped to the side, avoiding her attack, his heart racing along with his mind, but he knew that she had made her decision. She was lost to the mask, to the endless night of Exum Panchard, and she knew it. And nothing he could say would make any difference. So here we see Luke entirely writing Kaiza off, saying she is lost. And he later comes to regret that and say that he made a mistake in doing this. But what I'm curious about is how does Luke's experience with Kaiza color his decisions later on when he's confronted with the evil inside of Ben and Ray? And and mm. kind of the the thought that brought this prompt to mind for me is that 
you went straight to the dark moment from The Last Jedi. Right. Ooh. Yeah. I think this also goes back to the, is Luke a good master conversation, right? Like, he's still <clears throat> figuring all this stuff out. And I think in this book, we really kind of see him touch the dark side to the most intense level he's ever done it before. Like, I think he sensed it in Vader, sensed it in Palpatine, but based on the visions and stuff, this feels like, as, as far as canon goes, this is kind of the most direct he's ever felt it. Um, mm, that's hard. I, I think that it definitely kind of prepped him for the Ben thing, though. Like, seeing Kaiza, seeing her basically die and then have a mask reanimate her as a Sith Lord, like... <clears throat> uh, I it probably I don't know if it's PTSD level with Ben, but I think it's definitely a oh I remember when I saw this before. Am I seeing a Sith Lord rise again? Mm. I mean, how can you not think? Yeah, that? I mean, does it make you have any yeah. more? I, I this is just occurring to me, but do you question less that moment of weakness that Luke had raising that saber above Ben Solo if that's what he sensed in his future? That's a good point. But I don't. I don't. I think it's different. Yeah. I think it's different because she wasn't. She wasn't. Uh, she didn't have force abilities much like Ben, right? Yeah. She was just a hell of a warrior, but then succumbed to the mask and what it could do for her. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it makes me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they're still pretty separate. I think it's interesting to kind of take it, but I think that the Luke Ben story. Is, is kind of so specific and singular there. Sure. Um, and, that, and I think that's what The Last Jedi does so well, is showing how much Luke is like, it wasn't because of my previous life, it wasn't because of this, I, I had a singular moment that was so extreme because of this specific power. Um, yeah. I love those two different points of view that they showed in that. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Luke was, was well done. Luke was demonic and then he wasn't yep. demonic. He was just like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who among us hasn't at one time or another? You know, just <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Not me, Eric, but go ahead. Okay, fine. <laughs> you were never a T ball coach, Wes. All right. <laughs> oh man. Well How do you strike out T ball? Alright, sorry. <laughs> the ball went backwards? <laughs> What is happening right now? Speaking of, Luke, speaking of Luke's view of Rey, um, in the Last Jedi timeline, do you think that Luke realized that Rey was the same girl he helped save during the events of this novel? And I ask this question because here's your sneak preview, listeners, uh, for the, the Trost commentary we did last night. We asked that same question about Lando, but we didn't ask it about Luke. And I think if either of them is more likely... To realize this, it would be Luke. So do you think he ever connects those dots? I don't think so. I don't I don't see how he could. Like, I mean, there is no yeah. evidence that this was ever the case. I mean, nobody knew I thought about this when I was reading the book. Nobody knew that they went to Jakku except for Ochi, yeah. like, right? Like nobody else. Jakku ever out. mentioned to Luke is no. the only connecting tissue no. I would think would no. make it. Not yeah. not in regards to the family that he was yeah. they were trying yeah. to help. Although I would also say I have an issue with him being because you're a Palpatine and right Skywalker. I'm I'm still having trouble with that. So like Well they did they did because find her, her parents' bodies floating on outside of Jakku. 
And he was true. at the funeral, so he would have known that. I guess that is true. I don't know. I, I don't. That's that's odd. I don't see it. Maybe it, it. maybe it clicks somewhere in his head, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he would ever bring it up, but I don't know. I, I don't know that it's necessary. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that he sure. needed to. I don't know that even if he did know, like, it was not necessary for him to ever admit it because it had no, like, value to the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew your parents. I was trying to help them when we were chasing them, and then they got brutally murdered. You remember that? Yeah, I was kind of, you know, loosely connected to that. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what, did he, what does he even <laughs> yeah. say? You know what I mean? Like, he's not well, a relevant part of the story, really. And also, like, in a meta, in a meta way, in a meta-contextual way, during The Last Jedi and all the conversations with Rey... Ray was not a Palpatine yet. Like, straight up. That was not a thing. So, like, Mark Hamill's performance yeah, and all uh-huh. the dialogue could not have in- in- insinuated that he knew she was a Palpatine because he did not know her parents because at that point her parents <laughs> were just junk traders that dropped her off. Script it's also, so, and, it's, and, it's, in a meta-contextual, yeah. it's hard to find that. Sure. You know what I mean? It's it's also Force Ghost Luke that says that Ray's a Palpatine, and you know right. maybe you're some kind of all-knowing yeah. once you become a Force Ghost. Yeah. So, you can go to the Library uh, of the Force and be like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, get the launch codes when you turn into a force ghost. <laughs> oh wow, Mace Windu's still alive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, yeah. he just runs a bar on Coruscant. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Luke doesn't necessarily know, but he still does the right thing, and there are reasons. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this book came after the fact. We're never going to make it all work perfectly, but yeah. I think it's just an interesting thought experiment. But absolutely. Let's move on from the overarching questions, guys. Let's get to the Easter eggs, the connective tissue, the random thoughts. Uh, And this book is absolutely chock full of them. Okay, so these are just the ones I consider to be the biggest ones. And y'all actually have already said the first couple of them. The fact that Viceroy X and Panchard and the Acolytes of the Beyond all came from the Aftermath trilogy. And, of course, Darth Noctis is the Sith created by George Mann in A Life Immortal is the short story in Dark Legends, so if you want to learn Isn't more about uh, the the Sabres' uh, previous owner, go and read A Life Immortal. Now, for the rest of them, on page 5, a Garu bear is mentioned, and this is the first canon mention it's ever had. It was actually only used once in Legends, as far as I know, in the New Jedi Order balance point, where Mara Jade was described as being protective of Ben Skywalker, not Ben Solo, like a Garu bear to <laughs> her cub. Who are you, Charles? What? Someone who spends too much time on the internet. Animal. That's amazing. (laughs) On page 27, Enyo is mentioned, who was a Twi'lek instructor at Luke's Jedi Academy. And this is actually a brand new character. I was thinking, is this someone maybe from the uh, Rise of Kylo Ren? No, it's brand new from this novel. It's someone I think could be an important figure moving forward. So. An all-up in your business, <laughs> am I right? My goodness. You know, we haven't really had a uh, we haven't really had a clear like delineation of how long Luke had a Jedi Temple going. You know, like necessarily. Yeah. Like he's he, building he, it in Book of Boba Fett, right. and then he uh-huh. has it in Rise of Kylo Ren. But like, yeah, and he yeah. says, and he says, loose, like, he says that one line of like, I assembled a group of when he's telling the story about you know Ben Solo and stuff, but like. Maybe it was a couple years. I mean, if so, then that's like enough time to tell some adventures and have some stories, yeah. of like Luke and the Padawans and stuff. That might be God, fun. Yes. Like, I mean, he had that, to that he was, go and find them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He had to find them, and they had to they had to That'd come awesome. to him, and like he had to figure out what the curriculum was and submit lessons plans. <laughs> like you know, like it was a whole thing. So like I don't know. That, he had that was standardized really fun. testing, and then he fought against it because he didn't think it would actually help them. But like it was required <laughs> by the New Republic, and he's like, Leia, come on, I don't have money for this. <laughs> <laughs> Applying for oh, grants. Man. Okay, here's a story I want. I want the middle management <laughs> education of Star Wars, where they have to work with the government. To this get is the guy. It's him. It's Inyo. That That's sounds why like Inyo quit. Yeah, yeah, that's why he quit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That would be fun. That was fun in Legends. Like, all the Luke. That's yeah. what I was trying to get at. It's all the also, Luke. the fact that we lost, we just lost five viewers is, is not about that. I, I ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On page 31, this is about Luke and Lore. Subscribe. Together, they followed the star compass Luke had uncovered from Pilio, mapping out a network of Jedi temples that were scattered across the galaxy. So, that's the compass that Luke finds in the video game Battlefront 2. So go mm-hmm. and play that campaign if you want to see that story. So good. On page 39, Ebonite is mentioned, which is a mineral straight out of Legends, where it was first created in Matthew Stover's Shatterpoint and later revealed to be the material for Palpatine's desk in the Rots novelization. Yeah. Awesome. On page Very 40. Similar to Carbonite. Easily confused. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not Carbonite. <laughs> right. On page 40, Kira is mentioned. Uh, that's just a fun poll. Go read some of the comics if you want more of that story. That's all I'll say there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On page 54, Sabak, Cristallo, and Pontanese Subracon, which are all games or mentioned. We know Sabak, but the latter two are actually brand new gambling games created by Adam Christopher for this novel. And I hope we see Pontanese Subracon again because that's just fun to say. That's awesome. <laughs> Cristallo seems just like should have been a drink it does sound right? like Yo, a i'll have a cristallo cristallo while i'm yeah. playing pontanese supercon that's the star wars version of hennessy <laughs> <laughs> yes! oh my god let's do it on page 56 Corey, you brought my attention to this the errant venture is mentioned as a gambling establishment yeah. and that's a very deep legends pool right because the errant venture was the red star destroyer that booster Terret captured and converted into a bizarre in the X-Wing series, where it was first introduced awesome. in the Back to War. And it actually continued to feature heavily. I did a deep dive on this on, on the Wook, and uh, we see it kind of through a lot of the rest of Legends. And it's yeah, actually the birthplace of Ben Skywalker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yo. that's crazy. So what a pool. Yeah, yeah I, I, I immediately recognize <laughs> this. It's, it's pretty rare that like I will recognize the Legends references because I've talked about this a thousand times. I've been pretty married to canon for the last like decade, basically, because like mm-hmm. that's all I've been reading, and I've been doing this Utini thing all this time. But like I grew up on Legends, but it's just been a long time since I've read most of the Legends books. And uh, I immediately recognized this name. I cannot believe it was in my brain. Like, I was just like, the Errant Venture, that's dude. Booster Tarek's ship, isn't it? And I was just like, it was like, you mean like Jimmy Neutron? Like, you remember that? Like, yeah, he, like, blast! Whole, that's what happened. I was driving down the road. It was ridiculous. So then I looked it up, Hi, and I was Jimmy's like, holy smoke. smoke, this is it. And we had a whole conversation <laughs> with Jared and the Legends Look Back crew about this. Awesome. Of like, this was quite, quite the pool. And like, as much as I hate it, how much more buildup are we going to have to do to to bring in Cornhorn and it's happening? Like, it is it's happening. Like, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. So Booster, I think I said let's say this last time. Booster Terex is Mirax's um, mm-hmm. father. Father and Mirax is Cornhorn's wife. So yep. That's Cornhorn's like, already in Obi Wan. It's it's coming. I, it's if, if Cornhorn is not in Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie, I will be actually shocked. <laughs> 
I yeah, yeah probably legitimately. Would too. But he'll be so awesome. He'll be cool. <laughs> explain to me how this is the birthplace of Ben Skywalker. It the gambling establishment. It's 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 it, weird. it's a lot of West? things. It's a lot of things. It changes hands. <laughs> it happened. It's yeah. It's, it it's a long story. It happened at the tables? Uh, like, the people watching? What's going I don't on? Know. Uh, Listen, she was I, on a roll, all right? I just she thought said, of... She had, a, she had a streak. I couldn't leave. I thought of three right. at least inappropriate jokes game. that I am not going to say live on the air. Here we go. <laughs> on page 62, several drinks are mentioned, including a red dwarf and a Rodian splice. And this is the red dwarf's first canon appearance, but it actually first appeared in Tatooine Sojourn, a comic strip distributed in the L.A. Times in 1979. Yes. Wow. Did I not have a red dwarf at uh, Galaxy's Edge? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it might be there now, but the Rodian Splice, uh, it is in the Black Spire Outpost cookbook, so you probably can get one nice. mm. out oh, of yo, Galaxy's yo. Edge. That, would, that wouldn't be surprised. They Pretty much anything that's ever been done with drinks and stuff is like being cycled at. Yeah, that. they're doing a great yeah. job with it. Yeah, mm. Selling your $15. $15 yep, exactly. a pop. Oh. It was I'll spend it all the time Take you back to Galaxy's Edge. I know. I'll do a vlog. Send me there. All right, page 71. <laughs> the Sith cultists are chanting the names of various Sith, and those include Noctis, Sanguis, Kacon, yeah. Vord and Shaw. And as mentioned before, Noctis, you know, from A Life Immortal in Dark Legends. Sanguis yep. is as well from that same mm-hmm. story. Um, Shaw was created for the 2017 Darth Vader comic run where she was introduced as Moman's Master. I don't know if y'all remember her or not, but she's oh, been right. out here. No, I forgot that. Kacon and Vord, though, these are new names. But reportedly, I have not confirmed this with Adam Christopher himself. Vord was supposed to be a nod to the Doctor Who franchise because the Vord are a species in Doctor Who. Okay, awesome. We know Star Wars never wastes a good Sith name, so keep an eye out for these in the future. Yeah, that is a good Sith name. Absolutely, that's a great one. Vord is a good Sith name. Yeah. Now on page seventy-three, Simeong, which is a species, is mentioned. It's the same species as Albrecht, who worked for the Knights of Ren, the guy who repaired. Kylo Ren's mask. Uh-huh. We talked really? about this last night in the commentary. The specific yeah. Simeon mentioned <laughs> was none other than Dathan, an administrator on Exegol, who became Ray's father's namesake. Yeah. Well, I love yeah, that. Right. The it made that, that scene a lot dude. cooler. We said it that did. in the commentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. On page 76, we get Shriv back from Battlefront 2. So some more Battlefront Shriv! 2 love. Yeah, I felt very learned reading that because I knew exactly who it was. Yes. That's my first time. More I understand Duros, that reference. Uh, <laughs> more Duros, yeah, please. the audiobook narrator like uh, really got his voice right too. He sounded just like oh, him. Wow. Like that was another voice that I forgot That's about so that. Sick. He sounded just. I recognized him by his voice actually. Like I forgot that his name was was Shriv or whatever. So like when wow. he did the voice and then they said his name, I was like, oh wow, that was great. It sounded Shriver. just like him. I felt like it was That's the character. Really yeah, it was really good. That's rad. That's more than one reference to Battlefront yes. 2. I like yes. that. Yes, really pulling How it all in. play that? On page 82, the Lurked Historical Institute is mentioned as Beaumont Kin's place of study, which is yet another <laughs> Legends pool. Yes, the Frenchman Beaumont. <laughs> <laughs> this specific institute was first created for West End Games Star Wars role-playing wow. game in 1995. And here we are with wow. it in... Shadow of the Sith. I just cannot I believe that the West End Games RPG still, to this day, is having an impact on Star Wars storytelling. Oh, yeah. Every book 
every book has a West End Games poll. Really I love is. it. It does. It does because West, the original West End Games, like really just hit the stage. I got to get my hands on one of those. I would love to own one of those because it really did basically establish what Star Wars canon was like at the time. So yep. I need 100%. to find one. I bet you could get them on eBay. I need to look. Hey, yeah. everyone that's been sending Corey the, the dirty fan fiction, take a break and then also send him West End Games. <laughs> I, I, I did finally get tagged in Discord. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> from, from some folks of like, hey, we found some. How bad are you looking for? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> what are you buying? What exactly. are you selling? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On page 90, we get an obligatory Tuka Cat reference. There's one in absolutely every canon novel. And there it was. On page 114, the Martyrium of Frozen Tears is mentioned. That's a place on Typhon. And it's a location that Dr. Aphra took Darth Vader in the 2016 comic run. So if you want to see it, go pick that up. Forgot that. On page 121, when Luke is transported through the Force to Exegol, we have this quote, Luke ducked out of the way again, moving a few meters from his original position. Looking down, he saw his footprints in the dust. It was hardly an impression, but enough for him to see his own tracks. And that's kind of the opposite of what happens in The Last Jedi when he's the only one who doesn't leave yeah. tracks in the salt oh, on crate. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought about that too. That was a good pull. So that was cool. salt. Maybe he was more there than not, which is yeah. pretty interesting. Right. <clears throat> on page 138, a TIE Defender is featured, and that's what Kaiza flew through the majority of the novel. We know that was part of Thrawn's Starfighter initiative that was in yep. direct competition with Project Stardust. Mm-hmm. On page 191, the droid crush Pirates of Bastoon are featured, and that's straight out of the 2020 Darth Vader comic run when they were hired by Ochi of Bastoon to hunt down Darth Vader, so it makes sense that he would work with them again in this novel. Yeah. That's a clever storytelling uh, device. Like the whole pirate droid thing is, is, is pretty fun. I kind of wish I would yeah. had a little more of them or they would have played a more crucial role to the story in this one. Yeah. A little bit. They're kind of in and out. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got defeated pretty quickly. but They did. Anyways, on page 203, uh, here's another quote for you. The signature of the dark side was unmistakable. Luke had sensed it in his father, Darth Vader. Vader had been a fire, a twisting sun dragon that curled in the core of a star about to go nova. So great callback to the sun dragon motif from Mm -hmm. Rots and later Brotherhood. And if you want to hear a whole discussion on why Anakin is the sun dragon, go listen to our Brotherhood roundtable. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. On page 241, Xerxium is mentioned, which is a Legends mineral used in the creation of Durasteel. And it had previously been pulled to canon in both Aftermath, Life Debt, and Dooku Jedi Lost. There are a lot of minerals. Yeah, Durasteel. They're minerals, Marie! There's a a lot of... uh... There's a lot of uh, funny names for metal in Star Wars. I think like yeah. this is this is like this is how big of a nerd that you know you actually are if you can like name all the different metals. Like there's durasteel. There's also transparent steel, which is what which all is glass. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's just glass. Like it's just it's yeah. so funny. I'm also convinced that every single Easter egg in Star Wars will eventually be found in Dooku Jedi Lost. I think Kevin was just like, yeah. I, I am writing the next decade of Easter eggs. <laughs> so go back and listen to that if you haven't in a while, or check out the script yeah. book. Plastoid. Plastoid. Plastoid, yep. It's not what like Stormtrooper armor is made of. It's not plastic. Yeah. It's plastoid. Yep. It's so funny. It's just Whatever it is, it plastoid. doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> this entire suit recycled, of armor was made from recycled water bottles. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really easy to shoot through. I think we know that. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> All right, on page 276, Abrax, a type of cognac, is shown. That's what Ochi was drinking before he it got is. to the engine coolant. And that's a Legends <laughs> alcohol that was uh, previously that's shown right. in the X-Wing series. So that's right. good stuff there. Mm-hmm. On page 287, Lena Graf and her ship, the Star Herald, are featured. And that was previously, uh, both of those things were previously shown in Adventures in Wild Space and Tales from Vader's Castle. Yep, nice. Graf family also featured in the Higher Public. Yes, uh, and right. Out of the Shadows. Yes. Yep. On page two ninety, Tanare wine is mentioned, which is an Alderanian favorite of Bail Organa. Right, Eric? There we go. And as an aside, I feel Woo! like Tanare is quickly becoming the Tuca cat of Star Wars alcohol references. It really it's is just everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I did have Tanare wine in Galaxy's Edge. Ah, it's uh, it like it's Chardonnay low? and it's blue. That's it. Uh, but it was good. But I I bought it. Okay, that's what I'll say. I bought it. I bought it. I prefer reds. I, I, Corey, I don't either. But you know what? My love for Bill Organa made me pay that fifteen dollars for whatever it was for blue wine. You take a sip, and you're like, man, the Organa's taste in wine is trash. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to my boy here. No, you're not. He's dead, Eric. All right, Um, Corey. Charles. Jesus Christ. Corey, I, Listen, Chuck. I heard you when you said you wanted to know more about minerals in this novel. Well, yes. on page 294, Deadlinite is mentioned, and that's a mineral used to make blasters, and it was shown in Star Wars Resistance when the First Why? Order was mining asteroids for it. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. They're, they need to do a, a printed like reference book of like all the like materials and like it reads like a, like an industrial manual or something. It's super boring. They would never sell any Star Wars geology would fly <laughs> off yeah, shelves. Yeah, geology. Amazing. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. On page, it's like a, there's actual pieces that you can rub your hand across, and you're just like, oh, that's <laughs> oh my god, that's yes. Wow, you just unlock the core memory there, of being a kid and finding those things, be like, ooh, rocks. <laughs> <laughs> On page two ninety six, Castancia, which is a planet, was mentioned. But every time, every time I read this, I think of George Costanza. Uh, okay, yeah. thank you, thank yes. you, Costanza. Maybe, Costanza. maybe Adam Christopher is a Seinfeld fan. Yet another pull from that L.A. Times comic strip in nineteen seventy nine, where it was first featured in the Costancia Affair. Mm-hmm. That was way before that moment, that show. Yes. <laughs> now, I don't have a page number on this, but there is a point in this novel where Ochi dreams about a mission where he goes to Malathon 9, and he's hunting Depa Balaba, and as he attempted cool. to assassinate her, Mace Windu stopped him. And even though that was a flashback to the Clone Wars time period, I'd like to think of it as a great reminder <laughs> that Mace Windu is still out there somewhere. God damn it, Charles. Oh, my God, Charles. <laughs> you know Come what? On. I, 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 he's got to be now. He's got to be. <laughs> on page 299, well, a Targon is featured, just like the Chancellor's pets in the High Republic. I love nice. the little tigers. Oh, yes. Good catch. On page 303, Hot Chocolate is featured. Corey, mm. you also uh, brought this to my I attention. Did. That's a callback to Tim Zahn's Heir to the Empire, which first brought the Earth favorite drink to the Star Wars galaxy. And, in fact, he received a lot of flack for it at the time. But here we are embracing it today, putting it in more books of note, yep. I just want you guys to know, hot chocolate should not be confused with Hoth chocolate, which is a specific <laughs> variation made with Tauntaun milk. Is that real? That is canon, oh, my friends. God. That's a thi- Hoth, Hoth chocolate? Actually, that might be legends, but it's chocolate. out there. It's out there. That's crazy. Yeah, Tauntaun I recently... Uh, milk? Yeah. That's disgusting. I don't know why yeah. I, I hear that. 
It's like it's like orange or something gross. Like, fucking, like <laughs> yeah, oh I, don't, I don't I don't know why I, I thought of that, but uh, yeah, yeah, I listened to Air of the Empire recently, and Ooh. I thought that was a very interesting. Uh, like, I felt kind of weirdly out of place. Like, uh, but it's it's a whole scene in Air of the Empire. Do you guys wow. remember it? Luke, Luke is <laughs> yeah, like, I do. Yeah, I like, he's like getting him and like C three PO ask like what he's drinking or something like that, and he's like, oh, it's a special yep, concoction that Lando taught yep. me how to make, and like you're, it sounds like he's making an, some kind of alcoholic drink or something. Just what like, is it, Corey? It's called hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though because it's wow. like uh, he's drinking coffee, and the editor's like, nope, can't call it coffee. It's calf. We got to call it something different. They're like hot chocolate. Yeah, whatever. Hot chocolate's fine. That's right. That one's fine. <laughs> Not even spelled different. All right. On page three thirty nine, the corporate sector authority is featured, aka CorpSec. Not to be confused with CorSec, <laughs> the Corellian security force. And this group was yeah. heavily featured in Brian Daly's Han Solo adventures, which take place in the corporate sector. Yeah, real talk. This confused me a lot. I bet it did. It did me too. Because CSA, I thought it was, they, they I thought it was a full name once. <clears throat> yeah, did. and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I kept, I, I tried to find like what's CSA, and then I just went with it. I'm like, I don't know. They're they're police. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. And I kept, I kept getting it confused with like the, with like CIS, like from the Clone Wars, yes, like Confederacy of. What, independent, independent systems, systems. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and like I was like I kept thinking about that I think I asked you guys last episode like what the hell is the CSA is it the corporate sector I also thought it was odd that pride was so heavily featured like in this book with yeah. like yeah with with them and like the book really yeah. highlighted like how incompetent they all were but then like pride is like the head honcho in Rise of Skywalker yeah. well, so. seemed- and it served you in the old war yeah, it seemed like the CSA yeah, like was basically filling in the actual, like, the numbers, if you will, like the grunts. And then there were still, like, imperial remnants that were in charge of them, kind of like Pride. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I understood as well. But, I mean, where's Nash Windrider? That's all I got to say. I don't know. We still somewhere. have a lot of work to, a lot of gaps to fill in in regards to what the hell is the First Order? Why do they exist? And, yeah, right, right. You know, how did that come about? Where do they get all that money? Well, mm-hmm. Here's a palate cleanser for you. Page 344. Komat said, uh, well, it's a quote about Komat, and it says, She glanced up. We need to retake the high ground and find the family before they do. <laughs> All right. Obi-Wan, I God, see We got you. a Baylor Ghana and an Obi-Wan it. in the same That's book. Right. Let's go. Right. <laughs> it's still the summer of Obi-Wan. On page 354, <laughs> Kaiser's base is said to be inside a Separatist core ship. And so those are those spherical ships used by the Trade Federation during the Clone Wars time period. On page 357, we have this quote. The object at the far end of the chamber, a multifaceted polyhedron, split horizontally across the middle with the upper half suspended in the air. The opening between, from which white light shone, had an edge that followed the lines of the object's many facets, making the whole thing look like a giant set of many-toothed jaws ready to trap the unwary. A meditation chamber, perhaps. Not something that belonged in a Separatist core ship, but another relic retrieved by Kaiza. There's got to be Vader's meditation chamber. Yeah. From <clears throat> the exact yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's got to be. Love that. It's Very be. cool. Have you, seen that, have you seen that old funny youtube spoof of i think it's called like i think it's called like vader being a dick or something like yes that. i know what it is guy, already the guy comes up and he's like he's like excuse me sir and like vader opens this thing and then he clo- he keeps closing it like yeah. and it's just a, <laughs> yep. it's a yeah. clever cut it's not really funny you need to go watch it it's so funny <laughs> all right on page 359 orbacks are mentioned which is the species of mounts ridden by Jana on kef beer in the rise of skywalker so we just yep. saw this yep. last night 
On page 413, pride is thinking to himself, Yes, this was how you led. This was how you demonstrated authority. Give little people like Coraman just a bit of what they wanted now and again, and soon enough, they would be eating out of your hand. So, Pori, as CEO of Utini, can you confirm? <laughs> I have no comment to make. <laughs> All right. <I'm> legally advised. <laughs> we'll move on. To page 425, Lando watches back one chapter of his old Calrissian Chronicles involving the planet Lasbane, a place first created for issue 73 of the 1977 Star Wars comic series. And it was also mentioned in Dooku Jedi Lost. I think you're on to something, Eric. It's all in there, man. And finally, on page 456, Komat reveals that she is a Wind Raider of Talaran, a group first created for the Star Wars Adventure Journal number 5, a role-playing magazine published by West End Games in 1995. But if you care to see the Wind Raiders in action, you can try to get your hands on a 2009 Dark Horse graphic novella entitled The Clone Wars, The Wind Raiders of Talaran. Wow. Yes. And just as a final thought, because this is Easter eggs, connected tissue, and random thoughts, Speaking of the Wind Raiders, I just I thought it was hilarious that Lando just starts wearing Komat's armor and Luke doesn't comment on it exactly <laughs> like Empire when he starts wearing Han's clothes and no one says anything. Like, why is that something Lando does? <laughs> he just wears clothes. He just appropriates people's outfits. He sees a look and he goes for it, man. He just like well, he's so. just trying to see that. if it fits. I guess yeah, he pulls them all off so no one says anything. But <laughs> That was, that was super weird. Why did Lando do that in, in Empire? <laughs> it's so weird. We'll never know. We will He's never know. He's an odd guy. Or He's an odd guy. Just, uh, I, think it's, I think it's Rache, though. I don't think it's Empire that he wears his clothes. It's, no, it's, 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 the, it's the end of Empire. I think it is. They're the flying away. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, say yeah, Return yeah. of the Jedi. <laughs> return of the Jedi. You don't like that I say Rache? I always say Rache. Rache. <laughs> you don't like Rache? Tross. Rache. Tross. You say Rot S. <laughs> and uh, Rots. All right. Rots. Esprit. All right. (laughs) Say the name of the damn movie. (laughs) We have got to get out of here. We have got to get out of here. This is getting getting out of hand. Getting Uh, delirious. So all that said, that's it. If I missed, like, your favorite Easter egg, let us know in the chat. Comment on this video, even if it's not live. I'd like to know what else is out there. In the meantime, let's wrap up this roundtable by going back and giving any final thoughts that you have about Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher Wes. I would like to hear from you first, my friend. Okay. We did not talk about it, but the very ending of the book, maybe not the very ending, but towards the end, when Ochi of Bestoon gets swallowed up by the sinking fields mm-hmm. on Pasana, right? Yes. And it just ends. Yeah, it does. And I, <clears throat> I love it. I know it's... It's not a. It's not a, a highly. I don't know. I, I forgot what y'all had to say, but I, I love that part because we already knew what happened. Yeah, we we already knew what happened. We didn't need any more detail. It kind of just that's where your transfer is from the movie to the book, and I, we didn't need any more. And I and I appreciate that because if they had gone, if he'd have gone into some more detail on like how Ochi died and how he was eaten by the snake, or even if he was, he could have just starved to death. We don't know. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, why not? But that. Just that little bit of mystery of how he died in the sinking fields is I I liked it I liked it a lot yeah yeah 
Um, I this this book was uh, a lot of fun. I think it definitely added to the rise of Skywalker. It definitely filled in a lot of holes that needed to be filled in. Um, yeah, you know, I I really love Adam Christopher's writing. Like, I really wish that we had gotten that Mandalorian book now. Like, yeah, um, for real. And uh, you know, I, I I hope that he gets the opportunity to come back and write something else again. I would love to see him write something with Sith. He's very very good at that stuff. He's very creative and original and. Um, you know, absolutely welcome to the fray. Like, of really, really killed it as a as a big big push into Star Wars canon. So seriously, fantastic work to him. Yeah. Glad that we had him. It was a lot of fun to interview him too. We really enjoyed that conversation. Um, the the book was 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 pretty dang good. I think all things considered, like you know, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely worth reading. I think it's definitely up there with like some of the most important stuff for sequel trilogy stuff. It was a little long at times. I think it just. I think it had too much to accomplish, man. Like this Rise of Skywalker just had so many things that needed to be explained. And um, I asked last time, would this book have done better as a trilogy? And I almost think it would have like really done well as a trilogy. Because then we really could have had that whole like Luke chasing the Sith like arc really explained better. And I don't know. Like I almost wonder if 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 this would have worked out to like if the whole like mask of Panchard thing, it might have been cool if if that sort of got interrupted by the Ben Solo incident. You know what I mean? So that's what took him off the path, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's why he got distracted from the whole, you know, looking for Exegol thing because ah. that's like that would have been that would have been really really cool. I feel like if if yeah. I, the point I'm trying to make is I really love this Luke chasing this this mysterious sith artifacts relic stuff trying to get to exegol and figuring all that out like why didn't we get there you know and that would be some really cool stuff that maybe maybe adam christopher could write later on would be some of that stuff so overall a lot of fun glad we got it it was a good read it's a big boy though we'll see that yeah yeah i think i think i agree i think what this was book did so well for me was made me really realize how excited I am for books that are just going to be non-attached to the Skywalker saga. Even if yeah. we're using Skywalker characters, I think the, the the best parts of this, like we've said a, a bunch, were the, the parts about Sith lore, were the kind of things that came outside the movie. And I think in the mm-hmm. coming years, just based on pure marketing plan, I think we're going to get a lot of that stuff. Like, we're not going to go so attached to certain fixed points in time. I think that's so exciting. I completely agree. I want Adam Christopher now to go back. I want him to get some old school Sith stuff. I like what this did for Luke and Lando. I think that overall, maybe could have been trimmed here and there for some certain points. I think, again, once we got to the Rise of Skywalker, we got a little pigeonholed. But I, I cannot watch this, the Rise of Skywalker the same way. I know Dathan and Mir Mir now. I know their story. I appreciated it. And I'm really excited to see kind of Again, what what threads on this are picked up in the future? Because that's the most fun about doing what we do, yeah, right? Sure. Is seeing what gets created by one writer and who's going to pick it up next. Like he picked up George Mann's thing from Dark Legends and brought it. Like it's so fun to watch and, what yeah. people do. Yeah. <clears throat> so whatever author takes it up next, I'm excited to see the ball keep rolling. And uh, if you like this book and are reading our next books, again, our next roundtables are going to be Padawan and Princess and the Scoundrel. Um, could not be more different. I'll just say that it's very, uh, <laughs> very different books yeah, uh, sure. coming your way. And I think that's the great thing about Star Wars publishing. So uh, real quick sneak peek for all of you all next week. Like we said, we are going to be visit revisiting the rise of Skywalker as a film. Uh, we watched it together last night. Uh, we will be talking about it in full. Uh, so be sure to tune in next week for that. And then we have a couple other fun episodes, but I believe 
Three weeks from tonight, I'm looking at our schedule, is going to be our Padawan Roundtable. We'll do one part on it. It'll be a good time. Um, but so much good content coming up from Star Wars for the rest of the year. And, of course, as we all know, the higher public is coming back next. No. In two months. In two months. Sorry, Charles. Two months. You got time. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> but, as always, uh, a huge thank you to Charles. Dude, these prompts are always amazing. You do such phenomenal work on these. You are the reason we're able to do all these. To all of you in the chat for hanging out, thank you so much. And to all of you that listen every single week, we hope you love that we do these. These are our favorite things to do is talk about these books. Uh, as always, leave comments in the chat, comments in our Discord, hit us up on Twitter, anywhere you want. We want to know what you think about these books and about these stories. But for now, my friends, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. We hope you look forward to the upcoming Rise of Skywalker commentary and all the Patreon-exclusive shows that are coming your way. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at C. Hankel. West is at Boss West. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for hanging out, watching, and listening. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.